Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Monday morning uh, to you as we welcome you along to uh, the programme. My thanks to uh, John Paul and to Bernie for filling in last week when I was away. I was over in Devon visiting family because we had a new little baby, a new arrival and it was just had to get over and have the cuddles. There's nothing like... uh, holding a new, relatively newborn baby. He was a few weeks old at this stage when I got to see him, but there's something wonderful about a newborn baby. It really was lovely. So it was a lovely family week away and uh, but good to be back uh, today. Now, actually, John Paul is off. So Bernie is actually uh, continuing to sit in, taking your calls this morning. If there's anything you want to share with us, we would love to hear from you. 0818 103 103 and texts and WhatsApps are already coming into us at 0862 and I can see from some of the texts and the WhatsApps, there seems to have been disappointment this morning with the tickets for Bruce Springsteen and the East the Eastry Band coming uh, to Ireland next year. One of the gigs, of course, we were thrilled to hear is going to be here in Cork on the 16th of uh, May. And uh, people were contacting us this morning because they were having difficulty getting through. They are all completely sold out within 90 minutes by half past nine. They went on sale at eight and by half past nine, they were gone. Um, so I don't know how many of our listeners were lucky enough to get them if you were pat yourself on the back because I'm imagining there's a lot of very disappointed people this morning to hear that the Cork date now officially sold out don't know about the other dates around the country there may be even though I imagine at this stage we're two hours in now to the the tickets going on sale at eight he's a hugely hugely popular guy so I imagine they are completely uh, sold out so if you got tickets uh, let us know 0818 103103 103, or you can text our uh, WhatsApp and then coming back in today after the week off where I have to say hand on heart I completely switched off didn't read a newspaper I barely heard a news uh, bulletin so getting back into it today and going through the papers and all the majority of the papers and a lot of them on the front page carrying that photograph of little Emily a hand a face that we got to know a little girl that we didn't know until that Hamas uh, attack on Israel 
Israel last month. And of course, Emily Hand has an Irish connection in that her dad, uh, Thomas, was born in uh, Dublin. And she was one of the first that we had heard who had been killed in that attack by Hamas on uh, Israel. And of course, it was her dad, Thomas, who gave that heartbreaking interview after, in the aftermath of the attack, when he had been told that his daughter had died and he admitted that he was glad his daughter was dead rather than being taken hostage. And he said at the time that death is a blessing compared to his child's suffering in captivity. You know, and he went on to talk about that he couldn't bear to think about her if she had been, hadn't, uh, had been held hostage, you know, that she'd be on her own, she'd be frightened and whatever. But now comes the news that it looks like little uh, Emily is believed to now be alive. And unfortunately, everything Thomas Hand was dreading, it looks like she is com- being held hostage in uh, in uh, Gaza. And of course, she had been, she hadn't been with her dad that night. She'd gone on a sleepover in the kibbutz uh, where they live when the Hamas attack unfolded on the morning of the 7th of October. So, of course, this was all happening. Thomas was hoping his little girl would be safe. It had been, he thought it had been confirmed that she had been found dead, but now, of course, they're doing DNA testing on the remains of children and adults that were killed in the kibbutz and it looks like now that Emily's DNA has not been found so the possibility now is that she was one of one, one of those that was taken hostage so I can only begin to imagine what Thomas Hand is now going through but I'm hoping that he might take comfort from remember the first of the elderly woman who was uh, released along with her daughter and she said that they were being treated very well and they were looked after and anyone who needed medication was getting medication so maybe, just maybe, that these hostages are being well looked after uh, but obviously the uh, the Department of, Our, of Foreign Affairs is aware of the case of little Emily Hand and they are providing consular assistance to the family and obviously they're not commenting uh, after that but it was Emily's older sister Natalie who went on uh, TV in Israel yesterday and it was almost like she was trying to direct what she was saying as if she was speaking to Emily and she said I want to tell you that we're doing everything to get you home we know you're being held hostage we love you so much and uh, we miss you it's really really heartbreaking so uh, keep little Emily hand in your thoughts and in your prayers 0818 103 now some of your texts and whatsapps uh, coming into the programme at the this morning. Here is a really bizarre text that came in from Maura. Uh, and it was such an unusual text. I said to Bernie, would you give Maura a call just to get further clarity on this? Maura, what's up the programme? Saint Patricia, can you please ask your other listeners, did any man call to them last week in the North Cork area, asking them if they smoked? If they did, he then took the box and gave them 10 euro. Very strange. Any clue what it is all about. And so I got Bernie to ring Maura back just to find out, was he taking a full packet of cigarettes from you and giving you 10 euro? Because I I haven't smoked now in in a good few years, but certainly a packet of cigarettes is more than 10 euro. But Maura said no. She described him as a very well-dressed man, well-spoken. She reckoned in around his late 50s. uh, When he asked Maura, did she smoke? And by the way, Maura does smoke. He asked her for an empty cigarette box. He wrote her name on the cigarette box and then gave her uh, two euro. He said he also asked who she would vote for in an election 
and what she thought of the central bank. Now, unfortunately, she was in a bit of a hurry at the time, so she didn't ask too many questions. But she said she did inquire and he called to a lot of her neighbours. And Maura is in, if I'm not mistaken, Maura is in the Bally Desmond uh, area. I, I do believe. Anyway, uh, so I'm interested to see now the fact that there was other questions asked. It sounds to me like it was some kind of a survey that was going on and that's fine. But it was taking the empty cigarette box and then handing over the 10 euro. I'm not sure what that's all about. But because Maura was in a hurry, she didn't get look for any sort of ID from him to see, you know, who was he with. Because normally... I've often, I haven't in a while now, but over the years, I've had a knock at the door for people at the Central Statistics Office and they'll openly say, you know, who, what they are doing and, and, and what survey they're carrying out. I've also had somebody call to the door doing a Red Sea poll about elections and asking views on elections, etc. But they'll always identify who they were. But Maura said she was just in a bit of a rush. She was heading out the door as this guy knocked on the door. So how many others did this gentleman call to? And if he did call, did you get a chance, unlike Maura, who was in a r- rush, to ask more questions as to why he was taking an empty cigarette box, writing your name uh, on it and then giving you back 10 euro. 0818-103-103. Our lines are open. Bernie, taking your calls. OK, we're trying to get to the bottom of why a gentleman called to Maura's house in North Cork last week and to a lot of the neighbours asking if she smoked and when she said yes she took an empty cigarette box from her, wrote her name on it and then gave her 10 euro. He also asked her uh, some other questions. Paddy Ryan from Mitchellstown knows all about these surveys because he conducts them. Uh, Good morning to Paddy. Good morning Patricia, how are you doing? I'm uh, good to hear you and good to hear from you. Now Uh, this is, what is this the taking of a cigarette box all about? It's got to do with the health warnings. That are written on them? Yes, right. What, you're checking that the correct health warnings are on them, is it? Well, I'm not checking at all, but I mean, uh, the company that I'm doing it for, they want to know what health warnings are on different packets of cigarettes. And there's foreign packets now and everything, and what language they're written in and everything. And um, there's 10 euros being given out for any packet that is collected. So if you call to my house and I don't have an empty cigarette box, you can't give me the 10 euro. That's correct. No, 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 because you put your name, your name is put on the box that's yeah. handed in and that coincides with the receipt for the 10 euros. And do people look at you strangely when you ask them for an empty cigarette box? Well, you see, you don't introduce it that way. <laughs> <laughs> you first of all, you ask them, do they smoke? Yeah. And so if they smoke, well, they're on the market, as the fellow says. And if they don't smoke, you just go away to the next place. But if they do smoke, you get talking to them and all that. And you can you tell them then what you're doing and that. And if they find it a bit strange, some people. Yeah. Some people would, would actually find it a bit strange. But, I mean, they all still like to get to tenor. Well, this is this is true. And when now, it, Maura was in a hurry, so she didn't she she didn't ask enough questions. I suppose from the gentleman that called to her, you, you carry ID and everything, wouldn't you? Oh when, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So nobody nobody entertains anyone now without ID. Like I mean, you have to, and there's there's no two ways. We just collect. You you might have to interview maybe. 10 smokers of that and um, 10 people and maybe two or three of them would be smokers out of the 10. Yeah, because I'm just wondering with more and more people not smoking anymore, is it harder to actually find the smokers? It should be, but it's not. Ah, okay. You'd know where to go. Would you? Okay, okay. (laughs) And then then she was asked other questions as well. Is, Is that uncommon or is that a common thing? 
She was asked and about that the would election. Be, that would about what? She was asked about the election and her views on the central bank. Well, I didn't think that they were included in it now, to be honest, but I haven't done that thing about uh, cigarettes now for two or three months and things change from time to time. I didn't think there'd be anything about the central bank in it, but that could be in the current one. I'm not doing that job. It's my, Yeah, it's basically market research, isn't it? Is what, it is, what's, yeah. Is, it is, is what's yeah. going on. And finding people to open the doors, is that a problem? Uh, not really. You know, it depends where you are again. You know, you can, you can find it hard to get people. Different estates operate differently. Like some people are probably annoyed with people calling every day and they don't really open that much and other people would open all of them. Yeah, yeah. And of course, it would have, none of this would have happened during COVID times when you wouldn't be allowed to call to doors. Well, that's quite true, yeah. It didn't happen then. Like, it didn't happen then. But yeah. it's, it's, it's happening now anyway. And um, I, I was out of action there for a, a, a number of months. I got knocked out. And so I haven't done much of it recently. But I'd have to say that it is uh, a correct procedure. Okay. All right. Well, and are you going to get back into it again, do you think? Oh, I am. I'm actually back into it today, like, but uh, I'm not doing that type of a job. You're doing an, an, another type of a job, another type of a survey. And I don't. I mean, I, I mean, people will know you for many years. You were are used to do the 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 uh, Mitchellstown report, and you're a former member That's of right. Avangard the Shiacona. Is it very enjoyable work going out and meeting different people every day and engaging with people? Oh yeah, it is great. I find it great now. I feel, to be honest. Yeah. I was off the road there for six months when I got knocked out and um, I'm back now with three weeks and it's great to be back on the road again. Great stuff. Great stuff. Okay, listen, thank you for that and, and thank you for, for, for enlightening <laughs> us because we were all scratching our heads. We didn't know what it was about. So thanks well, a million. That's okay. I, I just was happened to be listening. I happened to, to ring um, Bernie there about a thing about concern for the, for the community diary and then I had the radio on and then I heard you talking about it. Right, so said, right timing, it. right timing. Listen, right timing is right. Patricia, God bless. I love it to talk to you, Paddy. God bless. No, Thanks no a million. Bye-bye, bye-bye. 0818 Matt in Maddow says that the person who doesn't smoke, they're the ones should be getting the tenor, not the people that do. Last week, the Bishop of Kilmore said reducing the number of masses in his diocese was a real possibility due to the shortage of priests and also falling congregation numbers. So to discuss what the future of the Catholic Church is looking like in Ireland, I'm joined by Father Roy Donovan of the Association of Catholic Priests. Good morning to Father Roy. Uh, good morning, Patricia. And you're, you're welcome. Now, last week, Father Paddy Byrne in County Leash said women being ordained would be a possible solution to the diminishing number of priests. Will we, will we ever see it in our lifetime, the ordination of women? Um, I don't think so, and uh, I'm, I'm as pessimistic as ever about it, but I suppose I still believe in the Holy Spirit, so that's about it. <laughs> um, well, also in that, you know, with, with that article there last week, um, Brenda Power had a very good article, A Nation of Catholics Who, do not, who No Longer Need the Church. And um, so I think that's a very um, important uh, statement, that most Catholics in Ireland don't need the church except for funerals and once-off occasions. So the model of church as we know it, it's finished. The church has no longer got any credibility for most people on the ground. And this model Mm -hmm. of church that's patriarchal, um, which is not given an inch to women, um, that has to come to an end. And it is coming to an end very quickly. And would would women want to be part of a a male dominated um, 
two-tier church that we have at the moment. I yeah, mean, because all, you're, I, all yeah. you're doing is keeping the present model going, which is dead, as most people on the ground know. Yeah, and, and, and that's the obvious question. We know that a lot of women play lay roles in the church, but the bigger question is how many of those would actually come forward to be ordained if it was an option? Yeah, and being what and um, yeah, and and being ordained like gives you superior status. That's been the that's been the um, way of looking at it up until now in the church. That um, once you're ordained, you had all the power and status, and you has um, you could be part of the governance and decision making. Um, but if you're not ordained, um, you have no power. So that's the two-tier system that operates at the moment, which which operates, which operated at the Senate too. Unfortunately, I mean Ireland sent four uh, people to um, the Senate. Mm-hmm. Two of them were bishops, um, one of them a religious sister, the other a priest. Not one lay person. So what are the chances of um, women yeah. <laughs> seen as equals? I mean, the gospel message is that everyone is equal. The church model that we have at the moment. It's an unequal society. That's basic. That's that's the basic um, understanding as I see it. And how do you feel about uh, Catholics who only use the church for things like for special days to have a baby christened, first communion, confirmation? They might want to get married in a church, and then when they pass away, they want the funeral mass. How do you feel about those Catholics? Uh, um, I, I, I suppose I, I'm very welcoming of them, and very. Um, I, I feel it's an opportunity to do a kind of a creative type of liturgy when they do become part of this. I see it as an opportunity to try and treat them as equals. I see it as an opportunity that I can as learn, learn as much from them, and uh, as I might have to offer them. That it's a two-way process, and um, so I try to be as open as possible and try to listen and try to respond to the needs that are coming up within all that, <laughs> uh, what I would say, uh, cultural kind of identity that the census says that most Catholics have at the moment. Mm. Yeah, but with less and less priests uh, for the Roy, your workload is huge at the moment. I imagine morale must be quite low. Is it amongst priests? I think so. I think most priests are saying, look, we'll see this out and uh, <laughs> and we'll, we'll do the best to see it out. And uh, if you took out all the priests that are over 70 in Ireland at the moment, the whole church would fall apart in the morning. And that's that's how drastic the situation is. And that's how so many older priests are under enormous um, stress, I would say. And um, we have no, and uh, and the Church in Ireland has no strategy strategy other than handing you more parishes and more work and more responsibility as you get older. So there's no strategy to um, meet all of this present situation, which we knew was coming for the last couple of decades, really. Mm. And is it then up to uh, the local parish priest to decide, for example, how many masses are going to be held uh, or, or not? Or, you know, well, we're not going to have mass in that particular uh, church. You can go to the next church in, in, instead. I mean, who makes those decisions? Well, in our diocese, it was suggested that um, as a way forward, that every church in the diocese would have one mass at, at a weekend. 
Okay. Um, so, th- so that helped to, um, what would I say, that, that helped to, you know, that gave an overall kind of collective response and that helped everyone to move a small bit further in, in reduction of masses and making it a, a bit more doable, having more numbers of people at masses than with less masses and um, priests. Uh, now we're all moving around, you know, <laughs> you, uh, some refer to, the, we have a big ranch now, um, to, you know, we're in different places over weekends and that. So it's a lot of change. It's a lot of um, change for priests as well as for people. And, but but um, hard for those older priests that you talk about, hard for them physically to keep going. It is. Um, it, it is, um, yeah, because you, obviously as you get older, you have less um, energy. Mm. And, and also... Um, well, you'd be expecting to be moving more into retirement mode. And also, most priests in the past had a young curate um, with them, or even two curates in parishes, and they, they took over the work. Now, um, an older priest can be on his own and more difficult to get away and have holidays and situations like that. Yeah, and expected to look after more than one parish. Yes. Which wouldn't yeah. it wouldn't have been the case. And of course, you were the first a few weeks ago to say we're heading towards priestless funerals. The older generation, Roy, find that notion very difficult. Yes, and, and that's understandable because, again, we're all creatures of habit. And I suppose up until maybe 20 years ago, priests were a very prominent part of Every celebration that had got to do with um, occasions for people, and um, and now you know that I mean those who are under fifty don't really need us. Um, it's it's really only those who are um, in the older brackets who are being brought up in this present model of the church that's gone, that's dying, that's that's mm. been, that's you know. So it, it is part of the ending of an era. And and as you say, yes, it is very difficult for older people um, because the priest was very important um, in their, um, I suppose, their understanding of being a Catholic and the sacraments, all, all of that. Yeah. yeah. But of course, um, but of course, um, what, what we could do is: um, Do you have to be ordained to be a presider of the Eucharist at Mass? Why can't you have a Mass still? And, um, uh, you know, let lay people become presiders and have this, have the more equal, a church of equality. The gospel is a gospel of equality, that every man and woman is equal. And um, that's the story uh, of Jesus Christ, the message of Jesus Christ, the dignity and equality of everyone. That's been lost at the moment. Yeah. And then a couple of weeks ago, I spoke with uh, Father Tony Flannery, a a founder of your uh, association, still has those restrictions uh, placed uh, on him. Is it very hard for priests to speak out for fear of the wrath of the hierarchy of the church? Um, None of us are afraid anymore. I don't think we are. I mean, Pope Francis has said, you know, to speak with boldness. So he's been a breath of fresh air. And... um, but, um, you know, there's a nomerta as well in priesthood, isn't there, that um, there's a kind of a, you don't talk out, you don't <laughs> go on strike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't protest, you don't, 
um, even the guards have moved on to protesting, and, uh, <laughs> and we, 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 we're silent, it seems. And, um, and, and you know, we have an AGM of the Association of Priests on Tuesday, um, and you mentioned there Father Paddy Byrne. Yeah. Um, he's, going, he's going to be one of the speakers there, and the, the team is the last priests of Ireland. Wow. And um, and and that's going to try and gauge, you know, what what is it like for priests on the ground at the moment? That's what the AGM is about, to listen to priests, to listen to, try and name what's going on at the moment for them and try and, if you can name things more, it, it might release more energy. OK, listen, we leave it there, uh, Father Roy. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Okay, you're welcome. Patricia. Good morning Thank to you. you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Father Roy uh, Donovan, who is a member of the Association of uh, Catholic Priests. Somebody says what the Irish Catholic Church needs is a full rebrand to get priests uh, in. They need job security, uh, houses. Um, you might get more uh, priests. I don't know what, I don't know about job security. Do you not have job security when you are ordained a, a priest? It's the workload of what we're expecting priests to do. I don't know whether that's a turn off to younger priests uh, or not. And someone else says, it always amazes me why people who don't go to church want all the show on those special days, especially things like First Holy Communion, when the ones who never go inside the church, they're the very parents who will offer on the day to do the readings, etc., the reg- regular church goers are left out. It always makes me so angry. 0818103103. Bernie's taking your calls this morning. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. Now, while dating apps and websites can be useful tools, they may not be for everyone. And if heading to the pub or the club on a Saturday night is not your thing, what else is available? Well, my next guest has set up an interesting way to meet people. And at the same time, you might even get yourself a little bit fit. Karina Duffy joins me to talk about a modern approach to dating, single and ready to mingle. Uh, Good morning to you, Karina. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, and you're very welcome to the programme. I suppose start at the beginning. Tell me how and why you decided to set up this group. Well, I think the word you mentioned there was really good, actually, modern way of dating. Um, and Well, kind of modern, but bringing it back to the old-fashioned way of going face-to-face and um, bringing it back to getting out in nature and meeting people while you're outside. It's more relaxed. And um, I just found... Myself, two years ago, I was single two years ago again, and I just felt the dating app was overwhelming, and they just weren't for me. Um, I'm 41 now, so I, I tried this. I'm into fitness myself. That's what I kind of do as my full-time job. So I got the idea going, okay, what about if we brought people out walking in a natural kind of setting environment, no pressure, and see what happens. So I started them in June this year, and we've kind of dotted around the country since. Um, Dublin, uh, Athlone, Killarney, we're in Cork this weekend, actually, and they've been working really well. And we've been getting not only friendships, but romantic relationships hey. from them as well. Hey. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> as with most things, is it harder to get the men to sign up than the women? Do you know what? It is a little bit harder to get the men signing up than the women. Um, the women, there's always a waiting list because I, I don't know, I just think it's something that women's like, yeah, let's do it. Mm. Um, where men, I suppose... I, the feedback I get back at the guys because I get an opportunity to talk to everyone so the way the walks are done they're strategically done as well that everybody gets to talk to everybody okay. um, because you know we're all shy no matter what age you are we're all shy at the beginning 
Um, so the feedback I'm getting back from the guys is it's not something they'd normally do and it comes down to shyness and actually a little bit of rejection, believe it or not. Okay. Yeah, cause the feedback I'm getting back is when they are out in the pubs or the usual dating scenes where you would normally go back back a few years ago, um, they'd go up to a group of girls and the group of girls would shut them down straight away. So there's a bit of that going on as well and I can definitely relate to that because, you know, when you're out with the girls, you're out with the girls, you're kind of present you're in the moment, you're not really looking, where the guys would pick that up as a bit of rejection. Um, so there's a bit of that as well. So uh, talk me through what would happen on a, on a typical walk. Perfect. So on a typical walk, we try always match up that, that there is enough men and women to match the numbers, we say. Okay. Um, so that's the first thing as well, that there isn't going to be just three men and 30 women. So there's about 25 women, 25 men. And they come to the walk, we get, get everyone to kind of, we do a bit of an icebreaker at the beginning, everyone registers, and everyone gets their little name, and then we go on the walk and we move everyone along every few minutes. So it's kind of like a bit of speed dating, we're walking. Um, but it works. It works because afterwards, the feedback is like one guy in particular in Bank Holiday Monday gone, he was like, I would never get the chance to talk to 25 women like that in one go, never. He said it would take me months. And it's just, I suppose, that's good feedback for us, that it's good for the guy's confidence. You know, it's good for practicing the communication with the opposite sex, I suppose, as well. And it's built up their confidence that, you know, if they're out and about outside of the walks as well, that their confidence is built up. This is the feedback that we're getting back, that they're more confident to approach a girl in another setting, whether it be the gym or whether it be out in the pub. So, yeah, it's it's good. And if nothing else, I, I take it friendships will form. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of that. It's actually lovely. Um, us, the team and I have made actually really good friendships from it with the girls. Um, that they're coming to other events outside of the solo events with us. And the guys, we call it bromance. The guys... <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? Because isn't it hard? I think it is anyway. I'm 41. I have two older kids. Um, you know, it's harder because my friends and my family, they're all um, having babies now. They're in a different scene. So for men and women, I think it's actually harder when you get to your 40s and 50s, unless you put yourself out there to build like really good connections friendship-wise. So what we've seen out of these walks is the guys, there's a bit of commandery going on, there's a bit of elbowing going on, how are you getting on now, Do you know, what's the crack, have you been on a few dates, and they're actually going off doing hikes themselves now as well. That's fantastic. Of us. And that's and what it, I encourage. It, it started in, in your Dublin-based, are you, Karina? Yeah, I'm Dublin-based, but we're travelling around the country. That's the goal. Yeah. Um, myself and my small team, who are really invested in this as well, because they see the benefits of it themselves, and they they understand what it feels like to be single as well. So I'm Dublin-based, but we've been we've been around. So this month we're in Clare. We're actually in Cork this weekend, Kilkenny this weekend as well, and we're back around to Dublin next month. So we always kind of do one in Dublin, but the idea with the rest of the counties, we're hoping then from January onwards that we can rotate them every six to eight weeks and be back around again. That's fantastic. So the one, tell me get the details for the one for Cork. Where where will the walk be? So we're down Cork this weekend. Yeah. We are starting in Black Rock and we're walking along the coast. And sure, there's always coffee and chat afterwards as well. We'll be ending with coffee and chat there in the castle there at Black Rock. So that's this weekend. If it's raining, we can't roof the country. Mm. So we have umbrellas. Get your rain gear up. <laughs> we've, we've actually been on walks where it's been torrential rain and nobody even notices the rain because they've umbrellas and jackets on 
and they're having such great crack and chat afterwards. Like we didn't even notice with folks. <laughs> yeah, go go prepared for all all kinds of uh, weather. And uh, how is the sign up for next uh, weekend? Is it is it still more men you're looking for? Or are you still looking for women? Yeah, there's there's a boat because we'll be back around again. If the women go on the waiting list, um, they'll get first preference again when we're back around again in January. So I would say go onto the website, um, ecofitness.ie, ecofitness.ie. They'll click on the drop-down menu, see the solo events and all the dates are there, the up-and-coming dates. Okay, and and e- e- ecofitness, that's actually your company? That's actually the name, yeah, ecofitness. Yeah. Bring it out in nature. Keep bringing it back to basics well again. Done. Well done, well done. I, think it, I, re- I really think it's, it's fabulous. And dare I ask, have you made... Got on any dates out of the walks? Have you met anybody nice? Um, I won't say just yeah. yet. Maybe okay. if I come back, maybe if I come back around again in January, it's early days yet. It was very unexpected. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's all sounding positive. That's all sounding really positive. Yeah, it, it was very unexpected, but um, we're, I'm not going to say anything just yet because okay. it's very, very early days. But maybe if I'm back around again in January, <laughs> if you, you, you can divulge all. Actually, an obvious question that I should have asked: Is there an age limit on it, or? Um, so the walks that we have now at the moment are between 35 and 55. Okay. We have started under 35 only last week. And you know what? It's the exact same feedback. They're just not feeling it out in the normal dating settings, the under 35. So it's lovely to give them the opportunity to meet as well out in a natural setting as well and just um, kind of just keep it simple with the walks. Yeah, and I think there's always that fear, certainly for, for females with the dating app, you never quite know who you're going to meet, are you going to be safe? That's why I love the idea of this big group he- all heading yeah. off together there's, and there's safety in numbers and if you're not getting on with somebody, it's okay, you can mingle on to the next person. Exactly. It's, and it's, it's quick enough and short enough yeah. and long enough that you'll build up something or you'll feel something and but then afterwards then we do support them afterwards they're all in a WhatsApp group that they can mingle afterwards and I do encourage that the bromances and the friendships that have been made that they do walks outside of us as well um, which is nice because that's what it's about isn't it building the community as well Okay so eco eco ecofitness.ie Okay. Yeah. Good luck with it, Karina. It's a novel, novel, and and as, as I said, a modern approach uh, to dating as well. And it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for that. Thank you, Patricia. Have Thanks. a good day. You Thank too. You. Bye. Bye. Now, uh, take a look at some of your calls and comments coming in on some of the topics we dealt with in the last hour. A Killarney listener has been on to say, "Hi, Patricia. To the best of my knowledge, the final stage of the McCroom bypass is opening today. I would like to say well done to the contractors and all of the workmen involved. My life has been made so much." better as a regular commuter between Cork and Killarney. Well done to all involved. That's really nice and that comes in from a Killarney listener. Thank you for taking the time to send us in that WhatsApp. And yes, you are right. The final section of the N22 McCroom Road development is being opened uh, today. The first section opened. It was uh, December of last year and then of course we had a second section that opened in August of this year. But today is the final section to uh, open and actually the work which started back in January of uh, 2020, the contractor has completed the bypass ahead of schedule, which is fantastic news. Now, road users are being asked to please drive with caution on this new section of the N22, particularly on approach to the new junctions. The new junction is at Toon Lane and then in Ballyvorne and just to drive with caution uh, until you become familiar with the new junction uh, layouts. But yeah, certainly good news 
for people like our Killarney listener who regularly have to commute between Cork and uh, Killarney. And someone else was on, oh Mary was on, to, uh, wondering if we could find out, this is something that we're running on the news this morning, is it possible to find out what prescriptions can be extended to one year by the pharmacist? This is a, a new ruling that's coming in in March of next year. We have already put feeders out and we're hoping to speak with the Irish Pharmacy Union to get more about that because it's a story that's only broken uh, today and that will be good news for people that have to go back to their GP to get a repeat prescription for the exact same medication that they know nothing's going to change they just need another prescription and it's putting pressure obviously on GPs we know how overstretched GPs are at the moment and in fairness to the pharmacists and the pharmacy union they've been shouting from the rooftops for a long time that they can offer support and backup to GPs and there's a lot of things that the pharmacies could be services that could be offered by the pharmacy that would take pressure away from the GPs particularly when we have GPs struggling at the moment so Mary stick with us um, someday this week we will certainly have more update on that particular uh, story now we were talking about smoking in the last hour and this was kicked off by Maura who had a knock on the door as she was rushing out from a gentleman doing some kind of a survey and uh, he asked her was she smoking she said she was he he said could I have an empty cigarette box wrote her name on the empty cigarette box and then gave her a tenner in return and then we found out from Paddy Ryan that it is a survey to do with their checking for you know the health warnings that come on the cigarette packets so the people doing the market research are asked to bring back the, as many empty cigarette boxes as they can get or how many, you know, they might have to do 10 in a day or, or whatever. I don't know what the reason for giving of the 10 euro in return for the empty cigarette boxes. I don't know what that's about. And Paddy didn't know either. He said that's just what they're told uh, to do. But I was wondering, is, it, is he finding it difficult to find smokers? And he said, no, you can always find smokers when you want to. Somebody's pointed out that there's a lot of young girls are smoking and that's a big, big worry in the ideal world. We wouldn't have any of the young people smoking even though with the cost of cigarettes at the moment you wonder how so many young people are continuing to smoke. Someone else is wondering what if you only smoked tobacco? Well I take it they would take the tobacco pouch from you because the the pouches of tobacco also have the health warning because it's market research on the health warning on the packs. And Paddy, you know, was asking, was saying what they're looking for. He reckons are they in different languages? Because, you know, if you're maybe if you were over on holidays in Spain or in France or whatever, and you picked up cigarettes there, you'd, you'd have it in a, in a different language. So that's what they're looking out for. Jim then is saying, if you had two people in the house smoking, could you get 20 euro, 10 for each? I suppose you could ask the guy doing the market uh, research. Uh, Jim then is queer the whole thing and says because people already know about the warning on the cigarette boxes he's wondering are they trying to catch out people who are buying illegal cigarettes no I don't think so because they don't want any addresses from anyone they just want a name so that the person doing the market research can prove that he got it from a genuine person so no the the market research isn't in any way trying to find out people who are, are smoking illegal cigarettes it's purely some group are looking for market research on the actual health warnings on the packs of uh, cigarettes. 0818103103. And then some reaction into Father Roy Donovan of the Association of Catholic Priests of Ireland. Just talking, we were had some general chat around the future of the church. We've got ageing priests and we have a fall off in the number of people attending uh, masses and we have less masses because we've got less priests to say uh, the masses and where is the church going. So an interesting chat with Father Roy who's you know a man on the ground and who is seeing it as it is but it, it looks to me whenever I talk with any of the priests on the ground it's as if the hierarchy of the Catholic Church and the Vatican don't seem to be listening 
to what's happening on the ground because any changes that, you know, they get directives from the top down telling them that they have to do more work and we've got all of these ageing priests who are really finding it very, very difficult. Okay, some of your commentary in on that. Somebody says it is so sad the way the Catholic Church has gone in this country. This listener says they threw the baby out with the bath water years ago in order to just get bums on seats. Then due to the scandals, numbers went down attending Mass every Sunday. It moved away from the lovely, holy spiritual church to an earthly run-of-the-mill religion and now we're left with an empty shell. Recruitment of priests focused on the, in inverted commas, job and the career, not the spiritual calling our vocation as it used to be. I pray for a return to the old ways but to be honest, as this texture, I can't see it uh, happening and, you know, to hear Father Roy talk about funeral masses into the future that won't have a priest because there simply won't be a priest available to do the funeral mass and that causes great sadness uh, particularly people who have a very very deep uh, faith. And then somebody else and unfortunately this text didn't get into me on time was wondering could I ask the priest Father Roy how come a married priest from the Ukraine is practising and saying mass in for why he was made a, a curate. So I did a check into how can you how can you have a Catholic priest be married in this country? Well, there's two main ways. One is if you have a Protestant married priest who converts to Catholicism and they were all already married, they can continue to be married and be a Roman Catholic uh, priest, but they must have their wife's uh, permission. But also, and I think the key is in your text when you say that this priest has come from the Ukraine, Eastern Catholic churches that are in communion with the Roman Catholic Church, they also maintain a tradition of married priests. So obviously the priest from the Ukraine is part of the Eastern uh, Roman Catholic Church, so they are allowed to marry. So, hence uh, the reason for that. 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking calls. You can text or WhatsApp us to 0862 103 103. And here's um, a piece, an, an email in from one of our listeners looking for a bit of help and advice, and it's to do with her 17-year-old son. And I'm sure when you uh, hear what this mum has to say, this isn't the first mother that's gone through this. And maybe, maybe some of our listeners can offer words of uh, advice. Hi, Patricia. I would love if you could highlight a problem my 17-year-old son is going through at the moment. He's in fifth year in secondary school. And to be honest, he's finding it very tough in school at the moment. And I would go so far as to say he actually hates school. And he's not been invited to any social events or any parties that he knows are going on in the area. He says he doesn't know what's wrong with him and why he's been excluded from all social events and parties. Now, I would describe my son as a nice young fella and he wouldn't be the loudest in the group, if you know what I mean. So I'm wondering, is that why he's been excluded? He also says the other lads just all seem to be interested in going to the pub and getting drunk. And my son doesn't drink. So could this be another reason that he's been excluded from all of the social events? I don't think there should be pressure to drink just so that you can be invited to a party. Please put this out over the airways and I would love if you could find out from other parents, have any other parents had a son or a daughter experiencing what my son is going through at the moment? What can I do 
to help him. I have said to him, maybe if he joined something like the local Mokra group or something else where he could make some new friends. It's heartbreaking as it's really, really affecting his self-confidence. How can I help him to regain confidence in himself? He is feeling very low about it. Please keep my name anonymous. I'm living in the West Cork area and we are living in the countryside. Isn't that heartbreaking? And it's so difficult for a mum or a dad to watch a child struggle like that. And, you know, as as this mum knows, you know, her son is a nice young fella. And OK, he, he doesn't, he's not the loudest in the group. He doesn't have to be the loudest in the group. But I, I think probably what is the issue, if all the other young guys that he had been hanging around with or were friendly, if suddenly they're all drinking, do they not want somebody who doesn't drink in their group? Because it seems to all evolve and uh, around alcohol, which is which is um, a worrying, worrying thing for a group of 17 year old boys. But anyway, I'm sure there's other parents out there who are maybe seeing something similar in their own sons. And it can also be daughters uh, as well. Any advice, please? Is Makra a good uh, a choice? Did anybody go down that route of joining Makra just to make new uh, friends? And I suppose he's at that. I don't know what other groups are out there for a 17 year old in fifth year. What other groups uh, can they join where they'll, you know, meet up with other young people in their own area? And I suppose living in a rural part, living in the countryside makes it harder as well than if you're living in a housing estate, you know, where there might be other other young people in the housing estate that you could become uh, friendly with. Anyway, if anybody would like to offer words of advice to this mother who's just worried, really worried about her son, you know, and the fact that he's losing his self-confidence and that he's feeling so low. I mean, that is a real, real uh, worry. Your thoughts welcomed. You can give Bernie a call at 0818 103 103 or if you have any suggestions by text or WhatsApp 86 103 and of course the email address is always there Cork today at c103.ie C103 Jobs Now Ingredient Solutions they're based in Bohrbui they are looking for a finance administrator and a customer support rep e- email uh, your up-to-date CVs to Esther at ingredientsolutions.net and the closing date is November the uh, 30th. Charleville Plantire have a vacancy for an office administrator for full and a part-time position with flexi hours available. It would suit school hours if required. CVs to dcarroll at cphlimited.ie A builder's labour wanted to work in the Mitchellstown area. Now your own transport would be an advantage. You can ring, text or WhatsApp 86 and HGV drivers are wanted for the Cork area. Call 086 176 You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Minions talk to me.
Cork Today on C103. Now, one of our favourite guests on this programme has got to be author Alice Taylor, who has a unique talent for capturing the essence of rural Ireland and the human spirit. And Alice, I'm delighted to say, has once again written a book that transports us to a world where the beauty of everyday life is unveiled in exquisite detail. To chat about her latest book, which is called Come Sit a While, Alice Taylor joins me. Good morning to you, Alice. Good morning, Patricia. Always a pleasure to have you on the programme. Now, I was thinking while reading this book, is it because of your own childhood growing up on a farm that you're always able to see beauty in everyday things, especially nature? Yeah, I'd say, Patricia, it has a lot to do with it. If you grew up at that period when I grew up, um, we spent a lot of time out in the fields. Invariably, I mean, we walked to school through the fields and then you know, people went out the morning, brought home the cows, went out for the horses. We spit, we went pick, we picked the spuds, we saved the hay. There was a lot of time spent out in the fields, and you know, as even though there was big families, you 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 know you spent a lot of time on your own as well. We used to go catching collies and collecting nuts, and so there was a lot of time spent out there. And I suppose. You know, Patricia, something of your childhood seeps into the marrow of your bone. And does it ever leave you? Never. I don't think so. No, never, no. never. No, no. And I think that's what's so magical about Christmas. It just sort of transports us back to the, so, you yeah. know, to those simple times. And you know, your opening chapter is all about uh, lighting candles, which I have to confess is something I love to do. Yes. You you do as well. You you see the importance in, in the lighting of a candle. I do because, um, well, I suppose I, was, I grew up with candles. There was no electricity when we were children. So the, the candles were, they were absolutely essential. And um, now I would light lavender candle, uh, you know, if, if if it's a dark grey day and you're on the day when the sky sits down on our shoulders, I'd light lavender candle. And I think the la- lavender is calming and um, there's something calming about a candle anyway, because the candle doesn't dance around the place. There's mm. a tranquility in the flame, isn't there? There is, because even if you're sitting in a church and the and yeah. candle is lit, your your attention is drawn yeah. to, to to the candle, and and the power of prayer, uh, especially Saint Francis's peace prayer. Yeah, I think prayer is um, it's unexplainable, isn't it? When we're, you know, when we've our backs to the wall and we're really in a bad place, Patricia's the only avenue out, and um, because I think we don't we can't understand you know, the mystic or the world beyond, maybe that's not a bad thing because we need mystery in our lives. And uh, in a way, like, when you look at the world and what we as human beings have done to it, which is with Ukraine and the Gaza Strip and all that's going on, and the terrible, terrible agony and torture people, we're putting each other through, really, like, I mean, it's the human beings are creating this. It's just as well that the water beyond is untouched by us. Mm. So we, we can't, Patricia, we can't pick it up. <laughs> yeah, do you, actually, when it's interesting that you mentioned Gaza. Do you find it hard to watch I find it, on the news? Yeah, I find sometimes looking, um, Patricia, you find yourself crying yeah. when you see those desperate pictures of small children. I mean, it's it's unexplainable, isn't it? Yeah, it's the misery. It's just, and it's, ma- it's man's inhumanity to man. It's, it's just terrible. Yeah, it really and, is. Um, 
you know, I remember we didn't know in school and she used to say, because we can do nothing about it, or very little anyway, you know, she used to say, well, all you can do is you must flower where you're planted. Yeah, yeah. And that's really all you can do. Yeah, yeah. I loved the chapter about waiting for our souls to catch up. <laughs> yeah. I identified with this because I think life has become so busy for all of us. Oh, yeah. The importance of of exactly what your book says, come sit a while, uh, meditating and just, but, and and you you can find meditation hard at times. Yeah, it's, it's very, you know, it sounds simple, Patricia, it's so, it sounds so simple, applying your bottom to the chair and just sitting still, but there's always something else to be done, isn't there? Mm. And to, to try to allocate that time, and I think this is, in today's world, it's a very difficult thing. Whereas, you know, you know, the world that I grew up in, and um, children can do it. The funny thing is, children have this innate ability to be just where they are, but we lose it. I suppose there's an awful lot of things dragging us in in different directions, and that's why, in a way, I think churches, in a sense, they're the last citadels of peace and quiet. And you go in there, and there is something about it that calms you down. You don't see anybody running inside in a church. You sit down, and there is a tranquility and a calmness there. And I know now we're not pouring in the the doors going to you know going to church as we used to be, but that doesn't matter really because you know the church the church is more about what goes. It's about more than what goes on inside the church door. It's community and it's togetherness. I mean, I went up the other morning to, to weed our grave, the family grave, which is just beside the church. And um, while I was weeded, you, I talked to the world and his wife. People were passing in and out, and uh, it's near the school, and um, it was a lovely sunny morning, and uh, it was an opportunity to catch up. So you meet people at mass and... You know, there's there's a togetherness about it. Yeah, because I think for, for some people and, and maybe even some people listening to us this morning with the whole pandemic and the lockdowns and, and people being told to stay in, indoors, mm. some people are still fearful about getting back out in, into the world. And, and you do need to get out into the world and, you do. Do, and you do need to reconnect. We do, because I, I think COVID has a terrible effect on us, yeah. mentally as, as well as physically. And uh, you do, because you we need, I love that song from Funny Girl, people who need people yeah. are the luckiest people, people in the world. Yeah. You do need people. And you know, if you're having a bad day and somebody drops in, the right people. Now I'm talking about Patricia, yeah. not someone that would depress you, but someone you know that you're you know that you're in harmony with. And after a few minutes talking, sure, the world is brighter. You know, or if you get a phone call from somebody, uh, you you put on the phone and there's pep in your step. Yeah, yeah. You know that that uh, we need that connectedness. But then, if if that isn't always available, and some days it isn't, I think you know. Little little meditations or or poems. I know now we we kind of dismiss poetry because I think it was it was kind of rammed down our throats in school. But I think there's something about a poem that eases you you eases the mind more than prose because a poem can capture a whole wealth of meaning in a couple of words. Mm. You know, and um, 
you know, we have a beautiful tree here now in the at the church gate. I mean, we're surrounded by woods in Inishannon anyway, but there's something about a beautiful tree. And I think when you stand and look at a tree, especially one standing solitary by itself, it connects you to another. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Another, another world, and I love the you know the lines from um, Joyce Kilmer. Poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. tree. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Something? yeah. And you and you suggest the, the 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 planting of a tree when somebody passes away because that yeah. tree will be there then. From you know forever, hun- forever. Yeah, yeah. Forever, I think yeah. it's a lovely thing to do, and um, you know that as well as. That's why I think, in a way, like Patricia, cremation is, is of necessity will come in. But I think the ashes should come back into the grave because headstones are a, are a historical record. Mm. You know, they're first important. But I think we plant a tree as well. And here in Inishana, we have a thing called the Memory Grove. And um, the people would plant a tree in memory or for a birthday or for yeah. a wedding or it doesn't have to be, you know, anything. Um, sometimes I would plant a tree when a book would come out, you know, and um, it's, it's... God, you've must have planted a lot of trees at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd started the practice earlier. <laughs> you know, I didn't. I think that's one of the that's one of the, the blessings of, of growing older. You get you you get a better sense of appreciation of the importance of what's important in life, really. Yeah, because you 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 reflect in another uh, chapter on silly family feuds that oh can lead people to fall out uh, for years. I mean, what a family row over somebody bringing a rotten banana. That's so, right. A family row 
always can happen over the most stupid things, but often it's a symbol of something else, you yeah, know, yeah. really like. And I remember picking up that leaflet in lockdown, going, oh, I'd say half a century ago, but I never forgot it. We have care for smiles for the strangers and smiles for the sometimes guests, but for our own, the bits are torn, though we love our own the best. Yeah. You know, and the final line is how many go forth in the morning who never come home at night yeah. and hearts are broken for hearts were spoken that sorrows can never put right. You know, when yeah. somebody dies, it's, I remember my it's mother telling me a story about um, a mother in law and a daughter in law who had murder on their lives. They never got on. And the both of them died within a short period of each other. And I remember mom saying she stood at the grave and she thought, my God, you know, he made life miserable for each other. And there you are now, yeah. buried together. And in a way, that can happen. It's such a feud. It's such a waste of time, isn't it? And the other waste of time is hanging around with a wet day woman. (laughs) (laughs) And we explain what a wet day woman is because we all know something like this. Oh my God, all her days were wet ones and all her thoughts were sad. And any time you met her, you would regret you had. She depressed you drip by drip and leave you feeling low. Or she's a wet day woman and will be always so. You know, Patricia, there's some people, and when you when you leave them after conversation, you feel less well. Yeah. As opposed to upbeat, positive people, you leave with a smile on your face, thinking delighted that you met, you yeah, met that person. Yeah, and you feel, you, you feel good after them. Yeah. yeah and so. that's, that's fierce important. But the wet day woman, there's wet day men as well, of course. Yeah. And they, I know there's one politician, and as soon as I see him on television, I turn him off. Ah! <laughs> And we are not going to name that politician. No, 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 no. I thought, oh my God, I can't, I can't, I can't yeah. put up that. There's one chapter in the book that that I I knew nothing about. The charter school children. I've never heard of them before. Now, this is amazing, Patricia. A lot of people have never heard of the charter schools. They were set up in 1735. By the George the Second, he granted a royal charter to civilize the the, the Irish. They're still trying to do that, of course. But anyway, um, so these charter schools, there was 50 of them set up all over Ireland. Now, they were for the education of all children. But if children went in, they were, they were educated in the Protestant faith. But there was one in Inishannon. And when there was a survey done in 1750, uh, there was only 13 Protestant children and all the rest were Catholic. Sure, Patricia, hunger was rampant. Yeah. And children were fed and bedded and kept. And um, now I suppose there was a touch of Oliver Twist about them. And um, But a lot of our ancestors were educated in those schools because they were there before the primary school system was set up in, in 1830-something. And they, they were there for 100 years. But there's no commemoration of those charter school children anywhere in Ireland, which is amazing because we in Ireland, we put up monuments for all kinds of things. Yeah. And no recommend, no remembrance of the charter school children. So we're putting one up in Inishannon. And um, we're, we're, we're working on it at the moment now and to be funded. We have to bring out a magazine every Christmas in Inishannon Candlelight. And this year we're 40 years, I think. Wow. And the money that the money that the candlelight made over the years, we put, we erected um, the sculpture of Billy the Blacksmith, which is going into the village, the horse and rider, which, you know, it's, 
traces the roots of Inishannon, and then we restored a historic map, which is in St. Mary's Church, uh, a famine map, which, um, you know, gives a list of all the people who lived in Inishannon at that time, and the houses are numbered. So this is our last project now, uh, the charter school children. So, um, Patricia, at the end of, of 2024, when you drive to Inishannon, this little boy will be right at the end of Inishannon on the main road to Escork. And we didn't want it to be a, a depressing depiction yeah. because children, no matter where they are, I mean, we see the Ukrainian children there, the creatorians, in, you know, sitting playing with their dolls, unaware of all the trauma going on. So children, in a way, are within their own little world. So we wanted the depiction of the charter school children to be, you know, a good a good depiction of of children as they are and so it's of a little boy releasing a bird that oh, sounds gorgeous that sounds gorgeous yeah it will be lovely okay we will look forward uh, to seeing that and you took part in the meaning of life by the way it, it oh, was yeah. excellent was that an easy decision to say yes when they contacted well, you well you know Patricia I always watched it since gay born started yeah. years ago and I was always intrigued by it and when I was asked to do it, I thought, ooh, it, you know, do something like that, Patricia. George, it, it is a bit like, take your clothes off in public. But it's your <laughs> mental clothes you're taking off. Yeah, yeah. Which is a lot scarier. And um, so but I thought, mm, no, if you don't do it, Alice, you'll always be wondering. Yeah. So go for it. And um, they recorded for two solid hours. <laughs> and by the time it was finished, Patricia, I felt as if I'd run a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved the fact that you brought them down to Inishannon. Because you, you, you had the option of travelling to wherever you wanted or, or Dublin. But you said, no, come down here and we'll, we'll, oh, we'll no, do it Oh, no, I, I kind of think, Patricia, you're more yourself in your own place. Yeah, for sure. And I thought, well, let our tea come out, come out, come down the country. Listen, I could talk to you all day. We've only scratched the surface of what is yet another delightful book where I can see people. Pat and Kilmadic says, Hi, Patricia. God bless Alice Taylor. She's a living legend. Somebody else says, Patricia, we ever tell Alice Taylor she's the most inspirational woman I've ever known. She will brighten up anyone's day. God bless her. Someone else says, So looking forward to the new book. The new book is called Come Sit a While. And I also have to give a very quick mention to, is it uh, is it Ellie and the Fairy Door or Eileen and the Fairy, fairy Door? Ellie, Ellie, Ellie and the Fairy Door. Yeah, my daughter Lee and myself yeah. uh, have, have written uh, in the fairy door it's a children's book it's beautiful I've seen it it's just and the colours on it are magnificent it's, it is lovely and attached to that there's a nap that um, I mean I, would, I wouldn't I would know the first thing about apps now Patricia but uh, Lena works in IT and she has this app that you can you know you can touch this thing in your mobile phone and the figures in the book come alive. Yeah, you think you, you can in, interact with it with yeah, the app. Yeah, you well, can interact with it. Well, yeah. when, when I saw that it, you, you, Lena had written it where, and the two of you wrote it together, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, I can tell you that. Lena has your gift as well. Listen, we'll chat certainly on Christmas, coming up to Christmas, we always <laughs> have, right. our, have our, our annual chat. But in the meantime, well done, another exquisite book. Congratulations to you Patricia, very God much. God bless. Mind yourself. Take Thanks, care. Bye bye. Alice Taylor and the book is called Come Sit a While. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Can you talk to me? Cork today on C103. And our monthly citizen information slot, Anna Donovan, Development Manager with South Munster Citizen Information based in Bantry, joins me. Good morning to you, Anne. 
Morning, Patricia. Um, and you're very welcome to the programme. Now, we're going to uh, chat about the social welfare uh, payments in a moment, particularly all of the bonus ones that have been announced. But firstly, how's everything going at Citizen Information Office? Uh, very well, Patricia. I suppose the numbers of people coming in for face-to-face consultations continues to increase and uh, we continue to give uh, help over the phone and by email. I suppose one of the things we're noticing really is that issues are becoming more complex and that's very much a feature of our work, um, particularly as we're working with people who find themselves at a crossroad in their life and we're really working with them to assist them to make an informed choice based on their individual situation because every one of, everyone's situation is different so it's about tailoring the information to, to people's personal circumstances. Yeah, and some will be easier and quicker to solve than uh, others. Mm. Now, since I last spoke with you, we've had Budget 2024 and the announcement and there was a number of one-off uh, payments um, which are due this month. So can we go through dates and times and who's getting what? Yes, yes. We're getting a number of calls about this at the moment. Um, so the, there's a whole lot of uh, one-off payments uh, which were announced and the first lot of these are going to be paid out the week beginning the 20th of November. So there's going to be €300 Euros to people getting the fuel allowance that week. That's the week beginning the 20th of November. And in the same week, there's going to be €400 Euros to people getting the working family payment. And then uh, anybody who's in receipt of disability allowance, injury pension or, or a blind pension, they will also receive an additional €400 Euros that week beginning the 20th of November. Now, the following week then, that's the beginning of the 27th of November, there's going to be an additional uh, €100 Euros to people who get an increase for a qualified child. And that's one payment per, per qualified child. And there's going to be an additional €200 Euros once-off payment to people getting the living alone increase and €400 Euros to people getting the carers support grant or domiciliary care allowance. So that's all the week, the 27th of November. And then there will be a double payment of child benefit for each child on the 5th of December. So Which is the, the, the number that's coming up. Yeah. yeah, the first Tuesday of the month. And some people obviously yeah. will get more than one payment. I'm thinking somebody with fuel allowance uh, will also get the living alone allowance. So for some people, they'll be getting more than one payment. Yeah, so it, it, the way it works really. So now if you get the disability allowance, invalidity pension, blind pension, care support grant or domiciliary care loans, you'll just you'll get the one payment of four hundred yeah. euros even if you qualify for more than one of them. But then in in the situations in all other situations you can qualify for more than one payment. So again, as you said there, if you get if you're getting a fuel allowance, disability allowance and a living alone increase, you'll get all three of them. Yeah. So it it it's they're kind of different combinations there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now the uh wait, the Christmas bonus then, uh when is that going to be paid out? Yeah, so that's the Christmas bonus, that's, that's 100% an additional, so it's a double week really, and that's coming out the week beginning the 4th of December. And that's the people generally getting long-term social welfare payments. So anybody like on a disability allowance, on a, a state pension, invalidity pension, there's a range of payments there, people will get that. Now, there will also be a once-off double payment to people uh, getting a qualifying social welfare payment in the week beginning the 29th of January as well. So, so there's two, so... The people get a double payment for the Christmas bonus and then anybody who gets the Christmas bonus will also get a double week uh, at the end of January. Of January. Okay. Yeah. And this is all obviously it's the it's because of the cost of uh, living. Absolutely. Now the, the one question that we often get in here to the radio uh, programme uh, Anne is do people need to apply for these one-off payments? 
No, they're automatically paid, so you don't have to apply. So anybody who's getting a qualifying payment will automatically get it. They don't have to do anything. And what, what about people even, I mean, these one-off payments, you know, and they'll be very welcome to all of the households who are entitled to them. But some people are really, really struggling at the moment, particularly if there's, an, you know, an unexpected uh, expense. Can you talk to us about what other supports are available? Yeah, um, I suppose the, the key payment that people should be aware of really is what's called the additional needs payment. Now, that's a payment to help you with any expense that you cannot pay from your weekly income. So, and I suppose the, the good thing about the additional needs payment is you can get that if you're working and on a low income. You don't have to be on a social welfare payment. So if you're working and on a low income or you're getting a social welfare payment, you can apply and when you apply for the payment, your income and your circumstances are assessed to find out if you qualify. So you can make a paper application or you can apply online. Now, again, I suppose if you need an application form, you can get in touch with your local citizen information centre and they'll help you with that. And what are, the, what are some of the things you could get an additional needs payment for? So I suppose the key thing about the additional needs payment is it's to help you with any expense that you cannot pay from your weekly income, whatever that source of income is. So the kind of things it covers, so say if you had a, a huge increase in your fuel or electricity uh, costs that you couldn't pay, or if you had to carry out some essential repairs to property. Now that includes your motor vehicle, uh, or if you had to replace a household appliance and furniture. So again, say if somebody's cooker gave up or their boiler gave up or their fridge and they couldn't afford to replace it themselves, you could apply in that circumstances. It, 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 you can all, it also covers things like funeral costs or if someone needed a deposit for private rented accommodation or again, if somebody was setting up home for the first time and they needed help with you know bedding and co- purchasing bedding and cooking utensils. Um, it does cover situations like food, clothing and shelter after an emergency event such as a fire or a flood. Uh, another key area it can cover is, say, if someone had recurring travel costs to hospital that were causing, you know, was causing a burden or they had to visit a relative in hospital or prison. Now, I suppose it's really important to say that, that what I've just gone through there is not a complete list other expenses can be covered too because it is a discretionary payment so yeah. you know, but, but what, what I've covered there are kind of broad kind of areas that are, are covered in it. Okay I'm watching the clock because we're up against it on time just go through how you would qualify for additional needs payment. Okay so to qualify really you have to live in Ireland and you have to have an income below whatever what's considered a weekly household income for your household size so that could be 390 euros for a single person it goes up to 490 for a couple with no children and then the amount increases for families so it's 692 euros for a family with two children 793 if there are three children it goes up to 884 if there are four children so i suppose when you apply you apply to your local community welfare officer they the CWO will look at your circumstance and they, they will decide if you qualify. Now, there are certain circumstances they can provide a payment if your income is above the weekly household income and that will depend on your circumstances. OK, and how much can they, that payment be? Uh, there's no set rate for it. So the, the amount really depends on your circumstances and what you need help with. So it's very much a discretionary payment. OK, and then very finally, there is extra money coming for towards energy costs. Yes. Um, 
it was announced in the budget that uh, all domestic electricity customers will get an additional 450 off their um, electricity bills. So that's going to be paid in three installments of 150 euros. So the first one's going to be made in December. Uh, second one is in January and the third in, in March. So three okay. payments of 150 euros. Okay, unfortunately we were hoping to talk about the appeals process but we're not going to get to that today. We'll get to that on uh, another month. But as always, you give out so much information. People can contact you either through the website citizensinformation.ie or at the phone numbers. Yes, if you can contact us, you can contact the Mallow office on 0818078000 or contact us Bantry on 0818078390. And as I said, and we're also open for people to drop in for a face-to-face consultation or our contact by phone, whichever is more convenient. And your service free and, as always, confidential. You're always a mine of information, <laughs> Anne. Thank you for that. Uh, and thanks, thanks for joining Patricia. us. Uh, good morning to you. That is Anne O'Donovan. And Anne is the Development Manager with South Munster Citizens Information Service. And they're based in Bantry. And we wish happy birthday to Kate O'Sullivan. Kate is in Donorell celebrating her 94th birthday today. Happy birthday to you, Kate. Your daughter Kathleen and all the family uh, wanting to wish you all the best. I hope you're having a really special day. And thank you to a huge number of people reacting to my chat with um, Alice Taylor. As I did say in the introduction, she's one of our favourite guests and I know a lot of our listeners love Alice and her writing. Anne says, oh Patricia, I think Alice is wonderful. I also love lighting candles. Yes, she does a beautiful chapter on uh, candles uh, and I'm the same. I'm I'm a big believer in lighting candles. You know, if if you're thinking about somebody, if somebody's going through a hard time, light a candle. Paula Indergarvin says, Alice is a fountain of knowledge. Keep writing. Yeah, Oh, we wanted to keep writing the books for sure. Thanks for that, Paula. Different Dan says, God bless to Alice on her new book. And then someone else says, Alice Taylor, absolutely lovely. Thank you, Patricia, for the interview. Must get the book. When is it out, please? I should have said that at the time. It's actually out now. It's in, as they say, in all good bookshops. And it's one of those books that I imagine is going to turn up under the Christmas tree for a lot of people. Now, some other thoughts and comments coming in. Uh, Gillian in Bandon, looking for help, please. Gillian is one wondering uh, would we know or any of our listeners know uh, some information about charity shops. Gillian is obviously doing a bit of a clear out in the house and she has things that she needs to move on. Now she says clothing, the obvious one there is she could pop them into her local St Vincent de Paul shop. That's not a problem. But she said what do people do with toys and former kids things cleaned like potties, nappy bins, uh, etc. They're all useful items that others may like to use and make savings on. It's hard to know who takes them. In recent years uh, Gillian said some charity shops have closed so she doesn't know where to go with it. So items for that would be useful for a new mum for babies um, and toys that are all perfect toys. Does anybody know Gillian's as is in the Bandon area? Can you point us please in the direction where we can send uh, Gillian because she doesn't want to just put them into the bin and, and send them off ideally. I mean it's all we're all talking about the environment and upcycling and, get, and getting extra use out of things. There's got to be shops, charity shops that will take in things like that for, for babies so that new mums and dads rather than having to purchase everything new can go in and buy items. So can anybody help us please and say Gillian is in the Bandon area and then Jim in Clonakilty says in the in West Cork people this morning 
Are they aware that 2.6 million euro contract has been signed for the initial phase of the Cork to Kinsale Greenway? He says, while that's going on, the roads of the countryside are crumbling. What is wrong with Cork County Council? Jim has to do a, t- a detour. He says it's about two and a half miles to try to find a decent road just to get to his house where he lives in the Clonakilty area. And he says his town, his, where he lives, the town of Clon is less than a half a mile from his house so he's not out in the wilds of the countryside is the point he's making but he's got no decent roads and so many of our roads are crumbling how often do we do interviews on the state of roads in Cork and of course it all goes back to you can't just point the finger of blame at Cork County Council they're just not getting enough funding for the amount of roads we have in Cork we are the biggest county so Cork County Council have the biggest amount of roads to look after and they try and do the best that they can but I know where you're coming from uh, Jim you feel that 2.6 million that is going to be used for the initial phase of the Cork to Kinsale Greenways and Greenways are fantastic and everybody you know sings their praises and they're all you know they're a great thing to have in place but they're a great thing to have in place once the roads you're driving on are also up to scratch and unfortunately that is not the case 0818103103 and then there was people listening to my chat with Anna Donovan of Citizens Information who was going through all of the dates when the bonus welfare payments will be paid out. It kicks off from the week of November the 20th, then for kind of three weeks, there's various different payments being paid out. As always happens when we're announcing bonus payments, you get in texts like this saying, what do I get? I'm a couple. We're low earners, no children. Exactly. We get nothing. And someone else says, Christmas bonus? Question mark. What is that? I worked all my life. I've never had a Christmas bonus. Why on earth do people on welfare get a Christmas bonus? And that's from a uh, West Cork listener. Well, the department and the government will say these extra bonuses are being given out because of the cost of living. But I accept you're you're also struggling with the cost of, of uh, living as well. But don't forget, we did we did speak about the special needs uh, payment. You don't you can be working if you're on a low income and you are struggling, you can go to the special needs payments. So there are payments available for people who are working and working on low income. Thank you for your text to 0862103103. And then some solutions in for, remember the listener who contacted the programme about her 17-year-old son and the kind of bit of a tough time he's going through at the moment. He doesn't seem to be too happy in school, but it all seems to be stemming to the fact that he's not invited to any other social events or parties, that this young lad knows is going on. And one of the problems is, you know, he's not a very loud, great, gregarious young fella. Um, as, as the ma'am said in the email, he wouldn't be the loudest in uh, the group, but he also doesn't drink. And a lot of the other boys that age, the other 17-year-olds in the area, all they want to do is go out and get drunk and they're having parties and they're sneaking drink into the parties, I'm assuming. So he reckons he could be excluded because they know that he doesn't uh, drink. But she said it's heartbreaking to watch him because he's losing his self-confidence is slowing, slowly ebbing away and she said he's really at a very low spot at the moment and she's wondering could other parents give her some advice Mary McCroom was on because oh by the way the mum in her email was wondering about Makra and would Makra 
be a good idea. Somebody is pointing out that Makra uh, really wouldn't be suitable for a 17 year old but Mary in McCroom says Faroiga is particularly good for young people to meet up and it is the Makra for younger people so for a 17 year old can, can she check out is there a Faroiga group in her area. And then hi Patricia I have four adult children and one of my sons was in exactly the same situation that your mum described in her, her email and it was between the ages of about 14 until 18 he just didn't seem to fit in with the other school pals. He was very quiet. He didn't drink. But I don't think the not drinking was the problem. I think he simply lacked self-esteem. When he went to university, he absolutely flourished. He made lots of new friends and I'm delighted to say 20 years later he still has those friends that he made in university and he gets invited to all kinds of things. Another one of his brothers who also doesn't drink either was always surrounded by friends and went everywhere with them but then he was full of personality. He was very different to the other son. So if you can get your son through fifth year and leaving certainly goes on to university. This mum says he certainly will uh, flourish. Hi Patricia, my 17 year old, now 18 year old daughter was in the very same boat as that mum has outlined. She never had an interest in going out and drinking. She would never get invited to events and she felt it was because she didn't drink and I have to say this really, really knocked her confidence. I reached out for advice too and it was recommended that she join a local youth group. She started started attending, attending that and was flying it. She's made lots of new friends. She started going out with this new group of friends, goes out most weekends and she enjoys herself and she, it doesn't require her to drink alcohol. I would recommend joining some club in the area and seeing how it gets he gets on. Believe me, it boosted my girl's confidence immensely. And that's from Kay. Well done, Kay. So there's, so I think what our mum, our, our mum who contacted us, you need to find out is it a Faroiga group in the area or what other youth group is in the area and push the young lad into that direction. And uh, please God, he'll get on okay. And keep in contact, please. And let us know how it all works out uh, for you. And then on on the Catholic Church that we discussed earlier when we were talking with Father Roy. Uh, this is Michael in Castletown Bear says the Catholic Church has had its highs and its lows since Christ was on earth. Celibacy came in in the 11th century, which then decided only to ordain unmarried men, which Michael says, by the way, I don't agree with full stop. Another daunting task put on students studying for the priesthood is locking them away for between five and seven years studying theology and philosophy before they are ordained. That being done, they're then sent out into the world, a world they know little or nothing about. Everyone today realises the rapid changes that are happening every month, not alone every five to six years. Young priests are sent out into parishes to priests who have their own personal problems and the newly ordained priest God help them. Uh, They then have to try to fit in with the parish work. But at the end of the day, they don't fit in because they're academics. There is a big world of difference between parish work and being an academic. All clerical students, says Michael, I feel, should be on the ground working with a parish priest for at least three years in different parishes before being ordained. Believe me, the church will get over this crisis again, but only with forward thinking 
on massive changes. Big bodies always move at a snail's uh, pace and the Vatican is, if you're looking at it as a big organisation or a a big body, uh, it certainly does move at a really, really snail's uh, pace. Thank you for that, Michael. And I think you're right about having a bit of world experience. I met a uh, priest uh, lately and I was at a mass and we were chatting afterwards and it was just, it was a beautiful mass, really, really gorgeous mass. And I, w- I was talking with this priest uh, saying that if all masses were like that, you would actually encourage people to go back to the church. He just really seemed to uh, to nail it and keep in contact with the people that were in the church on that particular uh, day. And I found out afterwards he was a late vocation and he'd gone and had lived life and then decided uh, to become a priest. And you could really see it in the difference in this man on the uh, altar. So maybe a bit of living has to be done as well. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at CorkCoco.ie. Now, if you're interested in doing the Camino, a group will travel from Dublin on the 28th of April of next year to take on the final section of the Portuguese Coastal Camino, walking from Oia to Santiago. Now, it's 110 kilometres, but you do that over a full week. All funds raised will ensure Anam Cara can continue their support services for bereaved parents. If you'd like more information, you can contact uh, Jamie at Anam Cara. Their number is double. Dublin 01404 Shambalimore Bingo is on tomorrow night at 8. That's in the community centre. This week's jackpot is €2,850. Clonakilty Special Olympics. They are hoping for a good attendance at their follow-up meeting on this Wednesday at 8 o'clock in the local community youth centre. In the meantime, they're appealing to people who were previously involved in the club to please renew expired membership by emailing renewal at specialolympics.ie. For anybody new who might be interested or becoming a volunteer, email munster at specialolympics.ie to show your interest. And well-known historian John Mulcahy will tell the story of the Republican versus Bridie McKay, the spy who survived the Troubles. It's in Kofa House on Church Street in Shandon and that's happening on Wednesday at half past eight. Everyone very welcome to attend. If you would like an event included in our diary, you can email diary at c103.ie. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Cork today on C103. And I can see questions coming in for Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist. Keep those coming because Annalise will be joining us in a couple of minutes. If you've got a question, Bernie's taking calls 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp the studio to 086 2103103 on that young lad who's been excluded by the other boys uh, in his area, not invited to social events, not invited to any parties. He's, uh, as his mum described him, a nice, a nice young fellow, but he wouldn't be the loudest in the group. He's a quiet young fellow, but he doesn't drink. And uh, she feels that could be uh, possibly one of the reasons why he's been excluded, but it's getting him down. It's affecting his self confidence. Somebody says, Can school children be so spiteful and horrible? That lovely young lad uh, could maybe take up some kind of a sport. This sister suggests karate for uh, for instance. It instills confidence and it is a group activity so you get to meet others. So yeah maybe some kind of a sport. I know at 17 people might say oh is that too late to take up a sport but something like karate absolutely or any of the other martial arts. There's another suggestion. Thank you uh, for uh, that. 
on the listener then who has the baby items and is wondering what any charity shops are taking them anymore. A couple of suggestions there. Maura says if that lady put any of the items in, you can include photographs on any of those Act of Kindness uh, pages. I know there's um, a really popular Act of Kindness page in Mallow. I know our listener is in the Bandon area. There might be one. There's got to be one in the Bandon area, West Cork area, and you simply put up items that you no longer use. And if anybody else wants them, then you arrange to collect them. It's a great way way to um, pass on items for upcycling rather than because I'm, I'm a bit like the listener who contacted us, hate the idea of just throwing something into the bin if somebody can get a use of it. So maybe try some of those active kindness uh, pages. And then Eddie in Bantry was on to say used baby items can be left in the recycling centre in Bantry and anyone who needs them simply takes them away. So there's another suggestion. Thank you. And then Mary was listening and she said that the Killarney Immigration Group, they have pregnant mothers that they are supporting. Mary lately gave in clothes from zero to six months recently and they go directly to the families in need. I'm sure that they would love to take appropriate baby items like what your listeners suggested. So there's somewhere somewhere else if you can find. There might be, um, this is in Killarney and I know our listener was in Bandon. It might suit to travel to Killarney but there might be a local group working with uh, immigrant mums and pregnant mothers uh, that would be only to delighted to take the items from you. Thank you for that, uh, Mary. And then someone else, you know, when we were doing about the bonus payments, we were doing it with Anna Donovan, other citizens' information on going through the various dates for the bonus welfare payments that got announced in last month's budget. And then we had a couple of listeners who came on saying, well, I'm a worker. Where's my Christmas bonus? Somebody said, I never got a Christmas bonus. And, you know, giving out about the fact that it's always people on social welfare get the Christmas bonuses. But if you're working some companies don't give any kind of a Christmas bonus. That's led somebody to say, Patricia, why do people think that it's some kind of a luxury to be living on social welfare? On social welfare, many people are relying on €250 or less a week. It is a dismal existence. People should should be questioning all the corruption that goes on in this country who are doing much more damage uh, but they but they don't. It's easier to pick on the vulnerable in society. So rather than being jealous about the fact that somebody on social welfare is getting a bonus payment, this system is saying just stop and think how difficult it is to live on 250. And, and I think the standard for a single person is, isn't even as high as I think it's 220, isn't it? If you're, if you're a single person on your own living on a social welfare uh, payment. So I suppose kindness, just to be kind. Thank you for your text 86 And then somebody who is worried about the TV licence for the first time ever says this listener, I haven't paid my TV licence. I've already had a letter in to remind me that I haven't paid and I'm starting to get worried what is going to happen. Well, funnily, the front page of the Irish Daily Mail today have a story about the number of people that have been brought before the courts this year over unpaid TV licence has already surpassed the whole of last year. Figures released to the Mail show that on post have applied for just under 12,000 summonses this year, of which 10,413 were brought before the judge. And that's up on, and that's so far this year, that's up on the entire number for uh, last year. And of course, latest figures are showing that RTE has lost 14.2 million in 
in licensed revenue compared to this time last year as people are continuing to refuse to pay and that's obviously following all the broadcasters payment scandal but the judiciary now are wading in on this non-payment of the licence fee in recent uh, weeks and in September of this year a judge overseeing Dublin's TV licence prosecutions said a contagion of defendants dodging court forced him to adopt what he described himself as a draconian approach by ordering the Gardaí to arrest the no-shows. And these were people to summons to, to court to explain why they hadn't paid their TV licence, but there was a huge number of no-shows. In his opening remarks at Dublin District's court in September, George Anthony Halpin added that he wanted the Garda Commissioner, Drew Harris, to prioritise the warrants he's issued for those who deliberately evaded their cases. He says, and I quote, if Angarda Siakona turns up at your door and arrests you and brings you to the earliest possible sitting of the district court, you've only yourself to blame, says the judge. So what he's saying to people, if you get called before the courts, go in and fight your case as to why you haven't paid it. But if you don't turn up, then they'll issue with a bench warrant. Now, on post who obviously are responsible for collecting the TV licence. They say they offer customers a range of ways of paying the fee and that bringing people to court is not what they want to do. They emphasise there has always been getting people to pay or renew their licence rather than prosecution. They say prosecution is a last resort. And actually Cork East, Dáil Deputy Fianna Fáil's James O'Connor, I'm sure we spoke with James about it at the end of last month. He, He put in a query to the media Uh, Minister to find out and to look at how many people had renewed their television licence and there was a a reduction of 12% up to about the start of uh, the middle of October, 12% less people had paid than were paid uh, last year. So if you continue to not uh, pay and if people continue to not pay, we're going to have very busy courthouses. And I wonder really, you know, how much guard the manpower is going to be needed if we've got to go down the route to arresting people and issuing bench warrants to bring people before the courts. But some of the judiciary are coming down quite hard. Uh, and I would suggest to people, if you do go down the route, you're not going to pay your TV licence and you feel quite strongly about it. If you are called before the courts, you need to go and defend as to why you're not paying it. 0818 103 Bernie's taking your calls. We're looking for your questions, please, for Annalise Dressel, a nutritional therapist. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. And Annalise Dressel of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic joining us on this Monday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're very welcome. Okay, straight into questions. Catherine in Wilton uh, was on. She's on what she describes as a low dose of a blood pressure tablet but she feels that these blood pressure tablets are simply not agreeing with her. Is there anything herbal that you would recommend to lower blood pressure? So there are a couple of things that may help, but the problem is is that, um, you know, having high blood pressure is quite dangerous, Patricia. It increases your risk of stroke. It can put your heart under an awful lot of pressure. Um, so really having high blood pressure is not a great thing. So what I normally suggest to people if they don't want to stay on blood pressure medication is to remain on it while taking the natural medicines and see if things improve. And if the blood pressure goes down enough, then you could certainly think about taking um, less of your your blood pressure medication or cutting it out altogether. So things that can help with blood pressure. So 
magnesium is probably one of the first ones um, and that's very good because it helps the veins, um, the walls of the veins and the arteries to kind of be able to relax properly. Um, Coenzyme Q10 is another lovely one as well because it just makes sure all that that the, all the cells are working efficiently and it's providing them with the energy that they need to be in balance. Um, hawthorn is another lovely herb as well, which uh, is very good for the health of the tissue of the veins and the arteries and the heart. So it's kind of got a circulatory uh, benefit to it. And it's very good if you've got varicose veins as well. It's another lovely one for that because of its benefit for the the tissue of the veins and arteries. And then probably the last one that's worth mentioning is the omega-3 fats because they actually can help make cells a lot more flexible. So the cells and the blood vessels could be more flexible, but they also thin the blood. So it's much less likely to be sticky and harder to push through the veins. It'll flow beautifully. So a good omega-3 fat, and you want one that has at least 1,000 milligrams of fish oil in there, with both EPA and DHA, they're the two types of omega-3. But the EPA is a lovely natural anti-inflammatory one, so get one that favours more of that rather than the DHA. Okay, Mary is in Newmarket and she describes she's a problem with her balance. She's been to the doctor who says it's something to do with her ears, but she's never been given anything for it. Now, she said she's been suffering from it for a number of years and she describes it as it being very hard to go upstairs because her balance is kind of off. Yeah, it's a diff- that's a very difficult one, Patricia, if it's been going on for a few years. So there are certain things that can affect the inner ear canals, which are responsible for our balance. There'd be two, like COVID definitely for a lot of people ended up with either tinnitus or vertigo after COVID. Um, but it is a, a, there is a relative, the flu virus that causes, it's called vertigo and it is a viral infection of the inner canals. And this inflammation can last for some people and can cause tinnitus or dizziness or loss of balance. Um, I think when it's gone on for a couple of years, you probably need to do a little bit of balance retraining. There is a clinic down in Middleton. Um, the name doesn't come to me straight away, Patricia, but if people were to actually Google physiotherapy Middleton um, and balance retraining, it's very good for vestibular migraine as well, which is, again is a migraine type of thing that is more about affecting your balance than pain in your head. So um, that probably would be a good suggestion. And if you take natural anti-inflammatories and antivirals, they can help. But my worry for this lady is that it's gone on now for three years, that something like that won't work for her. Okay, I've just Googled it. And is it the, is it the East Cork Physiotherapy Balance? That's the one. Yeah. And, and they do an acupuncture clinic. Yeah. yeah. And actually they're on Facebook if, if the listener wants to uh, check that out. Uh, Sheila's been on. Hi, question for Annalise, please. I have been taking Puritan to help me sleep, but now I find I can't sleep without it. I'm wondering, is it addictive? And if so, can you suggest something more effective but a non-addictive solution? Uh, the only other tablet I take is a blood pressure tablet. Yeah, and, and you know sometimes, Patricia, if people are going through a very temporary sleep problem, I would recommend taking those um, antihistamines because they do make you drowsy. So <clears throat> it's not necessarily that you've become addicted, but they just haven't solved your sleep problem. So um, sometimes it can work because people will just get into a natural cycle of sleep again and they will be able to drift off naturally. But in this case, that clearly hasn't restored a proper sleep cycle. So trying to use natural supplements, they are lovely because they do kind of work not to knock you out like the Puritan, but actually to restore calm and balance so that you can have a natural sleep. And they're very, again, non-addictive. So the best one, I think, that we sell in the shop that we get the best feedback on 
is the NHP Natural Health Practice. Um, and they do an advanced sleep support. Actually, we're doing it at 20% off at the moment. And it really is very, very good. It's a blend of nearly everything that can help with sleep. So that will be one thing to try. Some people find valerian is very good. It's a herb, again, that just promotes total calm and focus. So you could get that. Uh, Vogel does a Dormazan um, tincture and tablet that you can try with that. Um, other ones, some people find the magnesium bisglycinate is very good. The glycine part of it is great for sleep and the magnesium is great for calming. So some people find that would work. But I think your first part of call in this particular case here would be to do the NHP advanced sleep support because it's got a, a little bit of everything in there. OK, uh, Lorraine has been diagnosed as perimenopausal at 36 years of age. She's suffering from very heavy periods, but feeling very washed out and tired uh, even after a full night's sleep. What would Annalise suggest? Yeah, so this, I mean, it's it's like anybody really who's perimenopausal. You can either go down the HRT route, which maybe her doctors have spoken to her about, or she could go down the natural HRT route. So there are plants that have estrogenic action in the body. Um, they mostly come from lignans like uh, linseeds or soya. Um, and they uh, generally for perinatural supplements, they get extracted into high amounts so that you get a high extract. And they do have estrogenic effects. So they can really help rebalance the hormones. One of the problems about early menopause is estrogen has such a protective effect on our bones. So if you've got early menopause, your chance of developing osteoporosis down the road would be much higher. So in this case, I definitely would recommend a vitamin D3 and K2 supplement for the bones just to make sure that they're, you know, you're utilizing the calcium in your diet. Um, so in terms of the menopause supplements that work the best, I suppose the the one that, and I've used it myself and I find it great, it's the Nutri-Advanced Perimenopause, uh, Mega Mag Perimenopause. Um, Revive Active actually do um, uh, uh, Menopause Ameno Active, I think it's called, and I've tried that. That's actually very good as well. And then some people will do better on simpler ones like maybe Dong Kwai, which is a Chinese herb that has been used for many, many years. Um, And if it's very, very bad, if your symptoms are very bad, sometimes going to a herbalists, they can make black cohosh. Unfortunately, it's been taken off the list of things that we can sell. But a lot of people get a great benefit from black cohosh as well. So I would start off either on the Menoactive or the Nutri-Advanced Mega Mag. And in terms of the very heavy periods as well, you could maybe add something like Agnus Castus in, which is a lovely herb for anybody who's got very heavy periods, albeit um, perimenopausal, albeit um, um, PMT and premenstrual tension and disorder. Agnus Castus is a great herb that can help regulate that. And of course, always the omega-3 fish oils, if the periods are very painful, they can help make the blood a lot less clotty and thinner. So they're not, it's not as likely to be painful. Okay, Emily's 10-year-old, uh, 10-year-old son suffers very badly from constipation. She said he's always suffered, even as a toddler. He eats a very healthy diet, but he's not good to drink water. And she's wondering, could that be part of the problem. Yeah, definitely. When I hear though somebody has always suffered from constipation, it's a red flag for me, Patricia, for a food intolerance because most people think that IBS is diarrhea, but in actual fact, most people who have IBS have severe constipation. Um, and a young kid that eats very well, plenty fibre and is active, um, the only other thing, if it's not food intolerance, could be absolutely dehydration. So you could figure out ways of getting the water in, like you could make um, lollipops with juice, you could, um, you could, you know, add more grated vegetables and um, um, grated veg- um, fruits. 
sorry, Patricia, like pear and apples are wonderful for constipation, into breakfast cereals or into a smoothie. And water, of course, will be in the fruits as well. <clears throat> and you can get it in with the smoothie. Sometimes even just adding some type of like my wadi thing um, to the, the, the water will persuade them to drink it as well. So I'd say the first thing to do here would be make sure they're drinking, the, the little fellas drinking loads of water. And if that doesn't resolve its constipation, it probably is food intolerance. And then you'll have to go down that route and investigate that. But meanwhile, natural um, supplements for constipation. Psyllium husk is one that's very easy to hide for kids. Now, it does go a bit gloopy, so it's best hide it and th- hidden in things like ready brick and porridge. Um, it's great for adults, and it helps to soften the stool so that it's not as hard um, and much easier to, <clears throat> to push out for kids because if they feel pain, a lot of the time that can cause them to hold as well, um, and that's another problem to conquer. So psyllium husk is very good. Um, in terms of the fruits, pears, prunes, and stewed apples and kiwis. They would be the top four, really. Um, and then um, if you wanted to do a natural laxative for a kid, like something like um, the Otis fiber cubes, they're kind of fruit cubes of figs, that's very good. Or syrup of figs is very good. And you could also use aloe vera juice. Okay, and somebody's looking for information about vitamin D now that the dark evenings are in. How much vitamin D do you recommend taking? And should everyone in the family, including the children, take it? Yeah, I think everyone in Ireland should take vitamin D at this time of the year, definitely. Like Patricia, in olden days, people, the animals used to be outdoors and when we'd eat the animals, we'd get the vitamin D. But like, even in the summer months, these animals don't get any vitamin D. Like pigs and chickens are indoors all the time. So any pork products, any eggs, anything like that, they're going to be um, totally deficient in vitamin D. And then in the winter months, when we need vitamin D the most, because we can't get it ourselves from the sun, the beef cattle are indoors. So... Um, I think if you, and especially if you're not a meat eater as well, or if you don't eat a lot of dairy, I think it's very, very important. Now, the million dollar question is how much. So I think err on the side of caution. I think a thousand IUs is probably sufficient for all adults. 400 IUs is sufficient for kids. Um, unless you know that you've had your vitamin D tested and you're too low. Because taking too much vitamin D can increase the rate of calcium absorption and then too much calcium can actually cause hardening of the arteries. So everything in moderation in life um, and nature. So I think a thousand I use, plenty for all adults, 400 for kids and don't. Um, and if you wanted to give it a break actually as well at the weekend, Patricia, it would allow the body to catch up if you're giving yourself too much. OK, and one very final one from Margaret. It says, I'm on an antibiotic for a chest infection. It's my second prescription and I don't feel I'm getting any better. Not very sick, but it's a lingering chest infection. I feel at times I may be coughing up the antibiotic. Any suggestions, please? Yeah, actually, it's a very common problem, Patricia. Like some, you know, we we are becoming antibiotic resistant a lot of the time. It's, and people think it's from taking them. Actually, it's mostly because it's in our food. Um, it's given to animals that are kept indoors. So I, I do think, I do feel, I hear an awful lot of people at the moment saying they're on their third and fourth antibiotic yeah. for chest or for kidneys, which seems to be rife as well at the moment. So there's lots of things you can do to support yourself naturally for a chest infection. The first thing I would definitely recommend is the Dr. Dealish Clare Mucotone, which is disgusting but fantastic. Um, it's a herbal blend um, to boost the immune system and also to kind of help reduce mucus in the chest. And I would take that now at the moment for treatment. The second thing I would take is something called NAC, N-A-C, um, N-acetylcysteine. It's it's long name. And some people find that it literally is just gets rid of their sinus if they're prone to sinus in the winter. 
lots of our customers who were taking it post-COVID actually noticed that um, they didn't get as bad hay fever. Some people didn't need to take any antihistamines in the summer either. So that's definitely a good one to add as well. And then if you are... um, If you've got a lot of phlegm stuck in your chest, the best thing actually for that is carrageen moss. Um, And if you don't want to go to the trouble of cooking it up and boiling it yourself, um, there is Comvita. They do a cough bottle with Manuka honey and carrageen in it. And it is very good to kind of get that mucus up and out of your chest. Okay, as always, a mind of information. We'll chat next Monday, Annalise. Thank you for that. Thanks, Patricia. And thanks uh, for joining us. That's Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic. And as always, all of the items that we've mentioned on today's slot, Annalise will put up on her website this afternoon as heard on the radio. And her website is healthhubstore.com. And just quickly before we go, just a couple of comments in. Anne-Marie says, isn't it awful to hear that some young people are socially excluded just because they don't drink alcohol? That young man should be lauded for displaying his amazing strong character in staunchly sticking to his own values in the face of intense peer pressure. Having proven that he's strong and resilient, he is for sure a leader of the future. Kudos to him. Thanking you. Anne-Marie. Thanks for that, Anne-Marie. And Mary says, Trish, I just heard that mother's comment about her son being excluded from his friendship group. Why? Because he doesn't drink. Well, my daughter, who is now in her early 20s, has never taken a drop of alcohol and she's now in college. Yes, she gets the you don't drink remark with raised eyebrows but she stuck to her guns and now she's got some really good friends in college who respect her decision and some have actually chosen uh, not to drink on a night out as they can see she's enjoying herself without taking alcohol. A lot of young people just follow the crowd to be accepted and truthfully they don't want to be drinking to excess when they go out and that's from Mary. Thank you Mary. You're not the first to say that as a suggestion that once that young lad gets to uh, college hopefully he'll start to make new friendship groups and will start to hang out with people who don't want it doesn't have to all be about drink Okay, that's where I leave you for today my thanks to Bernie Murphy for producing and we'll be back with you uh, tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock until then I'm Patricia Messenger very good afternoon Hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.